Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to answer the question, are there contradictions in the Bible? Or is the Bible contradictory? Are there contradictions in the Bible? Or is the Bible passages contradictory? And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. I was asked by Lagos Software uh, some months ago to consider writing on this topic. And um, we prayed, and the Lord allowed me to compose a response to that question. And if you would like a copy of the article, please email us at info at srministries.org, info at srministries.org. I-N-F-O at srministries.org. And I'm sure many of us, um, as we walk with the Lord, as we go about doing ministry work, might have heard uh, various concerns about different Bible passages seeming to be contradictory. And many of us struggle with a response to these perceived contradictions. And this article basically sums up uh, what we as Christians um, are to look at and how we are supposed to respond to those that sincerely uh, ask us about this question. Are Bible passages contradictory? So for the next few minutes, I would do my best to uh, attempt to answer this uh, with the time that we have on this show. But let me preface this. Uh, This show is not long enough for me to uh, adequately deal with this whole topic. So, again, I encourage you to reach out to us if you want a copy of this article, uh, info at srministries.org. And if you have Lagos Bible software, uh, you can also uh, get connected to this article. You may be able to even Google it. Um, are there are there contradictions in the Bible? An, apolog- an apologist answer is the topic. Are there contradictions in the Bible? An apologist answer. Uh, and again, um, you, you can even add my name, and it should pop up on your Google search. But if not, reach out to us, info at srministries.org. Now let's get to the matter at hand. So um, there are passages such as, Um, Exodus 20 and 5. And it's clear from Exodus 20 and 5 that God is a jealous God. Then um, there is a perceived verse in Proverbs 634 that seems to contradict it, where it says God is void of jealousy. Then another passage is found in Genesis 22 and 1, 
where it says that God tempts men, but then in James 1.13, James says that God does not tempt men. Then another passage in Numbers 23 and 19 says God is unchangeable, but yet uh, in 1 Samuel 15, verses 10 through 11, it says God changed his plans. Then the last one I'm going to give you is uh, Philippians 2, 5, and 6, where it says Jesus is equal to the Father, but John 14 and 26 says Jesus, uh, Jesus says the Father is greater than I am. Now, on the surface, these passages seem contradictory, but as I always tell the students in my class, uh, when we're dealing with the Bible, context is everything. Context is everything. Uh, so uh, when we talk about Bible uh, exegesis or uh, pulling out of the Bible what's already there, we have to make sure we look at the context. In the same way in the English, if we were to um, use, uh, for an example, tree, uh, if, if I'm t- or, or trunk, rather, I'm sorry. If we talk about trunk, I can say uh, I put um, my old clothes in the trunk. You know what I'm talking about. But trunk could have another contextual meaning. If I said that I watered the, the flowers uh, uh, around the trunk, um, you would know what I'm talking about. Trunk of a tree, not an actual uh, a trunk. So context means everything. And it's the same way in Bible exegesis. And by exegesis, we mean drawing out of the scripture what's already there versus eisegesis, which is putting into the scripture what's not there. So we don't want to uh, commit eisegesis. We want to be a part of exegesis. Now, the Bible tells us all scripture is indeed authored by God himself, 2 Timothy 3.16. So this implies Uh, that since God is the author and he is without error, the scriptures are also without error. However, we often come across passages um, in the Bible which seem, right on the surface, to contradict one another. These passages are hard to understand. Because of that difficulty, some can be quick to believe that we are reading, what we're reading is actually a contradiction. Others may expect or already believe that these verses uh, don't contradict each other, yet they can't explain how to reconcile them. They cannot explain how to reconcile those passages, like the passages that I just read. They seem contradictory on the surface. So now let me provide two reasons why Bible verses seems uh, like they may contradict. I would argue that the appearance of contradictory verses is a result, number one, of the the reader's interpretation at times, Uh, such as when a Christian author, William Arndt, uh, wrote the following regarding the same subject. He said, difficulties which which are pointed to in the Bible by his friends, as well as the foes, are of many kinds. The great majority of them are entirely of the person's own making and will vanish when prayerfully studied. So he's basically arguing that if we study, we will learn how to institute the rules of hermeneutics. And and let me define that. Hermeneutics is the science and art of biblical interpretation. Basically, the rules that we must follow when interpreting Bible passages. That's what hermeneutics is. 
So the Apostle Peter also suggests that there are some passages we do not understand due to our own ignorance. Second Peter 3 and 16. And he says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destructions as they do other scriptures. Second Peter three fifteen through 16. And this is happening in today's culture. You have um, individuals that are so-called theologians, individuals in religious uh, studies or professors of religious studies, who are intentionally twisting the word of God for their own benefit. But there are those who are sincere, who are not intentionally attempting to twist the word of God, but they arrive at the same conclusion because of poor hermeneutics. And so when we read uh, 2 Peter 3, uh, 15 through 16, uh, we we see uh, what's going on. The apostle Peter also suggested that some that there are some passages of Paul, some letters uh, that's hard to understand for some people based on them, not because um, God's word is difficult to understand. So we we may need to learn more about a passage. That's the lesson. We may need to learn more about a passage before we can understand it. Another source of seeming uh, of uh, seeming contradictions in terms of us, meaning that the contradictions that we see. Uh, maybe because of us, um, is R.A. Torrey. He argues that the Bible is perfect, but we being imperfect, again, we being imperfect, have difficulty with it. As we grow more and more into the uh, perfection of God, our difficulties grow ever less and less. And so we are forced to conclude that when we become as perfect as God is, we should have no more difficulties, whatever, with the Bible. So, In this episode, uh, it's my attempt to make clear that the Bible does not contain contradictions, but rather uh, the Bible contains paradoxes. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. What is a paradox? A paradox is a perceived contradiction that upon further study is found to be harmonious. Conflicts arise when it seems the Bible is saying two different things about the same subject. However, when we employ simple Bible interpretation techniques, we soon realize 
that the verses are indeed harmonious. Let me say that again. When we employ simple Bible interpretation techniques, we would realize that what we thought were contradictions are actually paradoxes, perceived contradictions uh, that can be found in both uh, Old and New Testaments. These areas of perceived contradictions cover topics. uh, There's more than this, but the topics may involve things such as culture, such as language, such as uh, morality, uh, eschatology, worship, and many other doctrinal issues. So uh, the scriptures that I gave before are examples of perceived contradictions, but if I had time, I could unpack it for you, and you'll see that they're not contradictions at all, but they're rather paradoxes. So how to, how to consider the passages um, or, or to consider the passages that I read before um, as we introduce how to properly dig out of the Bible what's there and not assuming that it means something that it actually doesn't mean. Meaning that um, Paul, as an example, had an intent for writing his letters. So we must first uh, in terms of hermeneutics, and we're getting into hermeneutics right now, the science and art of biblical interpretation, how to study the Bible for all its work. We, uh, uh, there are tools for uh, attempting to understand a passage. We just don't dive into the passage without consideration uh, for things such as culture, for things such as context, uh, for things such as language. All of these things are part of the criteria when you're trying to understand the Bible. And then, uh, definitely, how does this passage relate to any other passages in the Scriptures? So, to overcome perceived contradictions in the Bible, um, it's important to turn to observation and interpretation. These are two laws or two rules when trying to study the Bible and understand what the passages are. You must follow these rules. Observation, as an example, allows you to inspect the passage without judgment. You're just looking simply for information. Observe the content. Observe the context of the passage. Ask these questions. Who are the main characters in the passage? What is going on? When and where did the events occur? Look up the meaning of the word in the verses. Look at literary context and the placement of the words. The same word can mean something totally different based on the context. So when I talked about the word trunk in the English, it can have more than one meaning based on its context. If we say I place my winter clothes in the trunk, we know it is a trunk used for storage. In contrast, if we say we do not water around the base of the trunk, we know we are talking about the trunk of a tree and not a storage unit. Consider the culture, the language, the history, and religious beliefs. Use the information gleaned from the observation phase to interpret the passage. Do further word study, asking the questions, what is the meaning of the word in its original language, and how was it used in ancient times? Finally, you may want to ask, what is the overall principle that can be adopted for contemporary Christians? This is not a process that's exclusive to only scholars or theologians or even your pastors or the elders of your church. Uh, This method should be followed by all Christians so we can rightly divide the word of truth. 
then you may want to use some tools to help with your Bible interpretation. If you're wondering how to learn more about culture, context, history, etc., these types of resources are excellent places to start. Use your study Bibles. You look at the Bible dictionaries as well as your Bible commentaries or even um, add to your tools, Bible study tools uh, that are in one and, and, uh, and they're invaluable in terms of electronic apps and, and electronic Bible softwares uh, that have various features uh, such as Bible uh, app from Logos uh, or version or uh, some of the other Bible uh, electronic instruments that we find on our computers. So as we work through examples of apparent contradictions, there are numerous Bible paradoxes, but let's just uh, look at the following uh, with the time that we have. For example, Proverbs 26 and 4 and Proverbs 26 and 5. In comparing Proverbs 26 and 4 and Proverbs 26 and 5, the two verses seem like they may be contradictory uh, by uh, Solomon. Verse 4 says, to not answer a fool, but verse 5 seems to suggest, to suggest that a fool should be answered. So again, verse 4 in Proverbs 26 uh, says to not answer a fool, but verse 5 seems to suggest that a fool should be answered. So it's interesting, we find a uh, perceived per, uh, contradiction in the same uh, uh, chapter. Uh, but this is a, indeed a paradox. It's not a contradiction. Here's why. Proverbs 26 and 4 uh, speaks against engaging someone who is foolish. Arguing with a fool or irrational person will draw you into their web and you will become foolish yourself. However, verse 5 is speaking of engaging a fool in another sense. There are uh, times when a foolish person must be corrected or things will continue to get worse. In this case, we are providing godly wisdom to the fool and not quarreling with them as in verse 4. It will only be contradictory if verse 4 stated that we should never speak to a fool at any time. But it doesn't say that. So I hope that that makes sense. Let me give you another example. Matthew 5, 6, and John 6, 35. On the surface, these two verses seem contradictory. We can also find what might seem to be a contradiction when we compare these two verses. Again, Matthew 5 and 6 and John 6, 35. When we look at John 6, 35, it seems to to say the opposite of, uh, of what Matthew was saying. But let's look at it. John 6, 35 quoted Jesus as saying, the one who comes to me will not be hungry. Matthew writes that a follower of Christ will be blessed if they hunger. However, John's gospel seems to suggest that if we believe in Jesus, we will never be hungry. Bible observation as well as interpretation, again, show that these verses are in harmony. Jesus is using physical examples in Matthew 5 and 6 to illustrate spiritual principles in the same way that hunger compels us to seek food and thirstiness to seek water. We need to seek righteousness. He is using physical examples illustrations to convey a spiritual concept in Matthew 5 and 6. And in John 6.35, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. This phrase is not intended to be taken literally. Jesus is not saying that he's an actual loaf of bread. However, he's using this metaphor to convey a message in the same way 
that bread, satisf- bread satisfies our bodies, if his disciples follow him, they will receive spiritual food. It is within this context that we find the next portion of the text. Because Jesus is the bread of life, metaphorically, those who follow and obey his teachings will not be hungry or thirsty as it relates to spiritual matters. Again, these two verses are not contradictory, but complementary. So the Bible contains passages that readers may find difficult to understand. Those passages may even seem contradictory. However, please keep in mind that the Bible is inerrant, meaning that it's void of error. If we see contradictions, it is due not to the Bible, but our lack of understanding, and we must struggle with the text until arriving at the correct interpretation. Using the rules of observation as well as interpretation will help us to resolve any perceived contradictions as we may encounter when reading the scriptures. So it's important that we implement the rules of hermeneutics when we're attempting to uh, better understand a passage of scripture. Uh, Through my Christian walking through my apologetic history, it's interesting how many believers are so quick to jump into a text and create a whole theology off of that insular text and not consider the other text. Uh, Not only should you be reading that one text, if you have an interpretation, make sure that that interpretation matches up with the other passages that that particular text may connect to. The the issues that arise in Christendom um, almost, almost, goes back to people's and individuals' uh, isolation techniques, meaning that they take one text and blow it out of proportion and create a whole theology and movement uh, uh, from this uh, false interpretation, and that's dangerous. So when we're talking about um, cults, when we're talking about groups that are uh, preaching and teaching unsound doctrine, a lot of times that's what they're doing. They're scripture-twisting. Uh, in, in Galatians, the first chapter, Paul addresses this type of method uh, where he says this, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, um, whether me or an angel from heaven uh, preach or teach anything other than that which you have received, let them be accursed. So Paul, uh, he starts off by saying there be some that will pervert the gospel, which is really not another gospel. A false gospel is really not a gospel at all. It's not good news. It's bad news. Uh, the term gospel uh, is translated good news. Euangelion, uh, 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 good news. Euangelizo uh, is the Greek that says the sharing of the gospel. It's the uh, uh, active form of that word, euangelion. But euangelizo is the going forth and sharing the good news. So if anybody is teaching uh, or in, and preaching um, incorrect information as it relates to the word of God. Uh, God will deal with them. God will judge them. God will punish them for uh, teaching and, and sharing false doctrine. And that's why we have to make sure uh, that we're practicing sound doctrine. 
that who gaze. We, we, we practice in sound doctrine, that healthy doctrine, the doctrine that's good for the spiritual appetite, uh, the gospel that God has already affirmed and confirmed. So again, are there Bible uh, contradictions or are there contradictions in the Bible, however you want to ask it? The answer is no. The answer is no. And if, you, if it seems contradictory, it's either you, uh, um, based on eisegesis, based on incorrect interpretation, but it's not the word of God. If we deal with context, 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 you have a better chance of arriving at the uh, correct and truthful uh, information or conclusion of the text. Again, we thank you all for your prayers. And as always, uh, we need your support. Uh, we need your financial support. If you believe in this show, if you believe in the work of Sound Reason and Ministries, we ask that you go online and um, donate, or you can write a check made out to Sound Reason and Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. And we do need your financial support. Um, if this show uh, has blessed you, or if you believe in this show, uh, please consider becoming a financial partner. Uh, pray for us as we endeavor to continue uh, training Christians to defend the faith. Continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.